0: What's up, y'all? We're back, and we are...
1: Bones.
0: To pick
2: where we got an issue with...
1: Everything. Everything. (laughs) We got to figure that out, but we'll figure it out.
2: (laughs) I don't have to figure out anything. I did my part. I don't know about y'all, but I did my part. And I did fine. I did perfect, actually,
1: you
2: know. I do think so myself.
1: I, I think I did my part then, too, then.
0: I think we all did our part. I think we forgot that. And we all sound fucking jumbled the shit. But anyway.
1: <laughs> you back at it again from the quarantine live. The Zoom live meetings. It's mm-hmm. your favorite podcast. Bones to Pick. How's everybody mm-hmm. doing this fine Sunday?
2: I'm doing pretty good. I woke up. You know. I um, did some cleaning. Mm-hmm. You know. I watched some snowfall. I'm so late to this show. Ooh, I know but I am addicted. What's I know on? I'm late. Don't What's judge, me. judge me. I'm on season two. It's only been a couple of days. Like, I'm almost done with season two. Like, I, just how, season
1: two. Like, I just finished season two. What part are you on? Yeah. What part are you on?
2: Literally, I had to press pause to pause the show so that we can, you know, go and do the Zoom thing, like, you know, a podcast thing. But literally, I just was... I, I, what, what, I was
1: part, what, what part are you just... Because I just finished... We just, we just finished season two, like, yesterday or two days ago, me and my girl um wait why did you season
2: two episode seven i had to i know i had to like look at um the my screen and a great way to unmute yourself and mute yourself without doing the extra stuff is just press the space bar i
1: just learned that Ooh, we're about to be zoom experts after this yes (laughs) yes um so so tell me why uh so my so so my so tell me why is uh about the nba so um you know, the NBA is coming back, or they're trying to come back um, by the, I think the start date is July 30th, and um, there's been growing concerns around a couple of players. I think that it's a combination of both the coronavirus kind of like preparations and um, a larger concern about, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and protest and the NBA being a distraction from that. Personally, I kind of find it insulting that people think that like you can't play ball and also kind of a be involved and informed and be on top of what's going on. Yeah. That's kind of very insulting. I, I, I don't know why people are subscribing to that notion that like people can't do both, that basketball is going to, basketball is going to distract people from it just because like one, there's a bunch of other sports also coming back. So I don't understand. Again, like it's just not basketball that's coming back. It's literally every other sports golf. I'm watching, I was watching soccer before this started. Um. So like that notion that sports is that much of like people can't, enjoy sports and also be on top of like social good is again, very ridiculous because then that means you shouldn't just have sports in general because there's going to be a lot of social good that needs to be done in the long term. Um, On top of that, um, I also don't think it's practical. Um, Like what's, again, the NBA is a very progressive league is the most progressive league um, in America. Um, they've been donating and been part of like trying to make institutional change. Now, of course, I'm not going to say like they've been like the, there's a lot more everybody can do, of course. But out of all the sports league, the NBA is the one that you want every other sports league to be like, you know? And they've been like that, not now, not when it's hit and stuff like that, for a minute. A lot of NBA teams have like really strong ties to the community. So I think the notion that like the NBA isn't doing enough isn't necessarily true. I think is there more that NBA can do? Of course, but again, boycotting it and already hurting the season when there's the financial implication of it is completely like it doesn't make sense. Um, you're not not only is the NBA going to take an L on that, which can further limit their ability to support these groups, also the individual low-level players and outside people who are uh, affected by it, the trainers, personal trainers, people are going through a pandemic now, like people are not going to have jobs. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, the, like, there's still, like, 13% unemployment. So, like, trying to, like, again, practicality of what we're doing here is my, is my concern. I don't think that, like, trying to, like, boycott the NBA, I think there's a lot more leverage, I'll say, you can use with working with the NBA and having it being on and playing and, like, still be part of the movement than saying it's going to be a distraction or, like, let's just boycott it to, like, make a pointless statement because I don't, again, I don't see what the statement you're making because are you going to come back at, at, and, and then start the season? Well, what, uh, next year? Like this shit's going to be fine by then. Come on. Like that's just my thing. So I don't think it's, I, I, I think the, I think the, like the mindset is in the right place, but I don't think it's practical. I don't think you are thinking it all the way through. So that's just my two cents to it. So yeah, I see a, a crew. You want to talk?
0: ian or whatever. so first off um i agree with you i think that people are people box you in like even i say something with cardi b <laughs> i love bell i don't know what i say about her i love her but somebody was like somebody said something about her her fucked up teeth and why she in politics and she was like so because i love to suck and fuck i can't care about the people and i thought that shit was hilarious and i'm like yes fucking cardi you could like to ride dick and be out here fighting for the people because fuck out of here like what that means, you have to you have to be a certain way to support a movement. Like, I don't subscribe to that notion. I think like we are all multi-talented, multi-faceted people. We like what we like, you know, and if and if you have a platform and you want to use it for the better good of your people, I don't see anything wrong with that. And I think that's probably where a lot of basketball players were coming from, oh, um them because I I seen the comment that uh Lou Will made about like you guys just kind of want to watch us play and you know, go back to your everyday lifestyle. And I was having I was having this conversation with someone the other day about I really do feel like COVID pushed this movement further because I honestly feel like if people were at work, you would not, we would not be on our 14th day of protest. I feel like people would be, oh my fucking God, I gotta get to work. My kids gotta get picked up. Like you would have that regular annoyance that we have in the city. And I feel like because everything is at a standstill right now, it's kind of like, well, I don't really have anything better to do. Not like, I mean, I do think there's people definitely going out there doing shit just to say they're doing something. But I think for the people that, genuinely want to be a part of it like they're they're there but I think it's COVID has also pushed more people to say you know what no this is not right this is not okay like there are bigger issues that we need to pay attention to so I think we need to lend a a thank you to COVID because I think it's definitely pushed us in that direction but then it also makes me feel like where do we stand with COVID because folks are out here I mean are we developing herd immunity at this point because I'm trying to see something, and what the fuck I'm seeing make me feel. Good. like going to Live your best life. These things don't care about you anyway. Be safe. Be cautious. But where where we Go
1: at? Go ahead. <laughs> you got
0: me I,
2: mean, I think everybody's doing their own thing. To be honest, um, some people are still inside, and a lot of people are still outside. Some people are wearing masks. Some people aren't wearing masks. It literally, I think. It's just dependent i just found out so one of my classmates yo i can't she told me that she was supposed to be going to atlanta this weekend because her friend is lives in atlanta and she said now she's mad at her friend because her friend got covid just found out that she got covid 19. <laughs> it's not funny at all but like you know she
1: she was no no, no. you know why because that's what they get for
2: atlanta <laughs> no but seriously though that's what so my friend my friend was like yeah she was doing the most she was like you know going all these different places and apparently they had a cookout last weekend in um delaware and so they were out there hanging out or whatever so she wants to blame it on that and my friend was like nah 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 so now she's stuck quarantined in atlanta and got covid19 so people are still catching this and i just feel like because the media is no longer paying attention to it is as if you know out of south out of sight out of mind and to be honest, I don't really know how to feel about it. Like, I do know that some people just don't, no longer want to be in fear because that's what a lot of us were, like, you know, being in fear. And you know what, you do get some type of FOMO when you see everybody going bicycling and having picnics and, you know, rooftops and all that other stuff. You know, I'm not shouting anybody out or calling out.
0: You're always being shady. This is what I be talking about, but continue. I'm not being
2: shady. I'm just speaking the truth, as always. But um, you're being shady.
0: Yeah. But yeah, continue. You know, you're being fucking shady. Please, bitch. I was on a rooftop. I was at a picnic. Please, you're being shady as fuck.
2: Speak truth to power. I love you too, crew. <laughs> I love you too, crew. Um, definitely wasn't you know directed it towards her. But you know if uh, how to say it like um. <laughs> 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 if, it, if it doesn't apply, let it fly. Clearly, she ain't letting it fly. But, anyways, um, that's where we stand when it comes time to COVID 19. I just say everyone stay safe. Um, you know, still wear your mask. It's still real. It's still I'm real, crazy. even if the media refuses to acknowledge
1: it. I bike. I, 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 that's really, very social distancing. All right. I bike. I just bike with a, a couple people, but like I bike. That's completely different. And uh, yeah, we, we hit 2 million cases. In the U.S. alone, two million confirmed cases. So like, yeah, it's still out here, bro. Like Texas is on the rise, Atlanta's on the rise again. Um, all these states that reopened, all on the rise. But um, and like earlier about the basketball thing too. Like, yo, you know what? If they don't, if they want to end the season, I'm fine. I'm not gonna sit here and argue from people to make money or lose money. Like, come on. It's they, they, at the end of the day, my point is they're not practical and ain't changing anything. Um, but yeah. COVID is still out here, but which brings us to our actual topic, right? Which is like, how are people really dealing with this? You know, the the mental strain a, a, of, of this, you know, a, of this disease and this is and how it's affecting us. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, right, crew?
0: Yeah, so today we have a special guest we're so excited for. Um, she goes by Leo. She is an LMSW currently working with a for-profit agency doing forensic social work for Brooklyn Family and Supreme Court. Um, And we wanted to have um, someone who works in the social work mental health field because we're not experts. We can only tell you what we experience on a day-to-day and how we cope, but we actually wanted someone who's licensed to like give us um, ideas and techniques about what is the state of the black community specifically because that's the community we are all a part of, um, especially when it comes to not just dealing with the, very high depth toll in our local like communities of color, but also like most of us being the essential workers providing care and having to be on the front lines. Um, and now we see the our capacity to function with all that's happening surrounding the Black Lives Matter movement is just like bizarre. I'm also sure you guys have seen a host of Karen videos, which I'm sorry, I be loving them shits because I fucking wish a Karen would. But let me tell you, I'll probably, yeah, I'm, I, Danny D, you're gonna have to bail me out, honey. Your shady ass will. And I'm, we'll talk about that. But these Karens are really out here fucking, the Karens, the MAGA, the MAGA MANs, like they are really out here on some, they want you to be on some, yes, sir, man, sir. yes, sir. And I wish a Karen fucking will because when I tell you I'm gonna get all my fucking pent up frustration out, Karen better be ready. But we're gonna try not to get to the place of violence. <laughs> Even though folks dead ass me and they ask a what,
1: I'm
0: sure Leo's gonna give us better ways to cope.
1: But these I need you, Leo. <laughs> are
0: Trying it, like no. Um. So enough of me, Leo. You can go ahead and um uh, introduce yourself, say hello to the people, um, and tell us a little bit about what you do.
2: All right. Well, first and foremost,
3: let me get a year, Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> That was such a beautiful uh, formal introduction, but what I will say is that I can't really um, say that I won't need bail to, because the mm-hmm, Karen's been trying it, and my patience is real thin for it, like real thin, but I'm going to keep praying, and I'm going to keep meditating, and I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> I'm going to keep trying. Um as of right now i feel like the state of mental health most specifically black mental health is in kind of like this in between because it's like we have the tools we have the resources we have you know guidance in different ways shapes and forms but then again we don't because if we talk about it on a micro level I know what I can do to help me every day as far as my self-care. I know what I can extend to my friends and my support groups as far as family um, and just different allegiances. But at the same time, if we're talking on a micro level, this is something that we can obviously see in our communities, um, literally in every city across the world, in communities that look like ours. And um we don't necessarily have all the tools and all the resources and the clinics and the professionals really. Um, I think that it is definitely a time for revolution because for example, I have, I actually, so Monday, which will be tomorrow, I'll be returning back to work, but I actually kind of like put my foot down and, was one of those who had to write an email to my CEO about just the current climate and state of America. Um, I pretty much put everything on the line, but I also felt like at the same time, it was worth it because what we received after it was really just kind of like an implode of emotion and resources and whatever else the case may be, and so I I had a lady on our Zoom call after I had gone through that back and forth with the CEO, and he eventually did send out an email to the entire team after they were silent. Um, We had a Zoom call the very next day, which I wasn't going to participate in, but they asked me to, and all of that rage and everything that you were talking about kind of came out and I like instantly burst into tears and it was really just kind of like a moment where like my co-workers started to cry and like they started to share about their frustrations and their stress. One of the white ladies was like, listen, I live in Union Square. We out here every day protesting and y'all didn't even bother to say, are y'all safe? Are y'all healthy? Like, it's a lot going on in the world. So... um For me, it was just kind of like enough is enough. And I feel like, unfortunately, a lot of people are at their wit's end when it comes to that. Um, I have, I've had a loss, not due to COVID, but I have had a loss during this kind of like pandemic time span. Um, Probably one of the biggest losses that I would ever uh, experience. Um, And then not too long after that, I had a client commit suicide. And that was kind of like the icing on cake for me, because those are moments where you really start to question what you do. And I've always told myself, like, if that happened, that I would not do this work anymore. Like, and not even necessarily in that manner, but just if one of my clients ended up transitioning in whatever way, shape, or form, that I just probably wouldn't be able to do this anymore. But because it was due to what it was due to, um, I thought about it, and I just thought about, and one of my friends said to me, because I said to her, um, I would have rather it been to COVID. Like, if he would have passed away because of COVID-19, I would have been like, okay, I could take that L. But it was suicide. And it was like, okay, well, what could I have done? What, what, You know what I mean? Like, and all of these fleeting thoughts. And, and she said to me, like, but it was due to COVID-19. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she was like, people can't handle what's happening right now. People can't handle being home by themselves if they are being home with their entire family if they are, like being home with an abuser, being home hungry, being home whatever the case may be. All of those things, be it physical or not, is going to eventually catch up and hit you in, the, in your mental space. And so it, I feel like, has been such a trying time for everybody um, when it comes to mental health. And I'm thankful that we just had Mental Health Awareness Month pass during this time so that people were able to see, like, you do have this, you do have that. You can use these tools. You should use these resources. Um, As of right now, I think that my top self-care items will probably be meditation, Um, definitely working out. Because what we're seeing right now is um, people are just eating, sleeping, getting up, going through, trying to get through the days, day by day by day. When you talk to people, it's like, hey, what have you been up to? Are you okay? And it's like, child, I'm just taking a day at a time. Like, (laughs) you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say to people. You don't know how to support someone when they're grieving. Like, it's so many different things. But for me, I just had to explain to a family member of mine, like, sometimes when you want to say, um, someone passes, and they said, oh, I want to, give my condolences. Sometimes you don't want to say that to somebody. Most of the time they don't want to hear that. So the most that I can offer is I'm going to pray for you. I'll be praying for you. Your family is in my prayers, whatever the case may be. Um, I have been doing a lot of praying. I have been doing a lot of trying to like tap into my spirituality with God. Um, I've also been trying to see where I can help because in the midst of this, I feel like we get stuck on somewhat of like this survivor's remorse and that also taps into your mental where you feel guilty about not being in a space where you're not safe, you know what I mean? Or or being in a space where you do have food and you can provide for yourself financially or whatever else the case may be. And so for me, it's been like, okay, what can I tap into to help my neighbor? What can I tap into to help the kids in In my community. Um, what can I do to be a leader at my church or whatever, whatever floats your boat in a sense. Um, I think that the most important thing right now is community because we cannot be around each other physically things like this, a zoom call, a FaceTime, a group chat, whatever is a check in it's really kind of like the smaller things that are going to count now because we take those things for granted every day. Like you talk in your group chat about nonsense, you know what I mean? Zoom has boomed ever since the pandemic has occurred. And then, you know, uh, FaceTime is a thing, but now you have the group FaceTime. And I, and I also feel like even like guys versus girls, they have the video games that they're, you know, communing over. And it's like, I I can't blame them. I'm not going to tell my significant other to be like, get off the game when I know that's his only way to tap in with his boys. Like that's a release. That's a mental health, you know, technique. in in a sense, like that's an escape for them. Um, So for me, I think it's really just being mindful of your support system when and where they can help you, but also when and where you can lend that hand. Um, tap into somebody to meditate with them, tap into somebody to work out with them, tap into somebody to pray with them. And, and, and those three things, even if you do that, like once a day, once a week, you know what I mean? Like try it for 21 days straight and form a habit. And, you know, I think that you will absolutely see some sort of difference or change um, in your mood and the mood of the people around you or, whatever the case may be. Um, I'm not an expert. <laughs> I don't have all the answers. I can just share what has been working for me, um, even down to me traveling to visit family and sitting to have my hair braided, because I know that that's going to be a secluded amount of time that I'm going to be able to like kick it and actually like talk with my niece or my sister or my mom or whatever the case may be. Um, the small things, again, like, you just can't take it for granted, like, and actually, like, self-care, groom yourself to the best of your abilities, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, take time to actually take care of yourself, because if you look good, you feel good, and a lot of people are waking up, and it's 90 day plus, and quarantine, and we're like, oh my god, I ain't going outside, so whatever, you know what I mean, but it's not even about going outside, do it for you, you know what I mean, like, Shave your legs, sis. If you brave enough to wax, wax. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) You know, at this time, until we can get to a place where we can physically be around each other and commune and hug on each other, like physical touch that people are missing, you know, it's going to be the smaller things that we take for granted every day. Cleaning your house, making sure you're in a space that is welcoming and, you know what I mean, not depressing, opening your blinds, letting the sun shine in, going outside, taking a walk, you know what I mean? Stopping, taking a moment to take a deep breath. Outside of all the noise in New York City, trying to listen and hear the birds chirp, you know what I mean? Because they chirping, (laughs) they out there. But you have to stop and you have to really try to like take that in. And so I think it's just going to be those small glimpses that God will give to us that like it's there but if you don't tap into it it's like I put it there like it's right there for you you know what I mean but like you're not gonna access that if you're not gonna tap into that and like what you want from me
2: (laughs) wow that was a lot thank you Leo like I just feel like you touched on so many different things that we wanted to discuss more and we probably will add on to you know you having to email your ceo about like hey like can you address what's going on in america right now you know to that's a topic within itself (laughs) Yeah, definitely a topic within itself we want to hear more about that c um but then we're going into like you know black people and the way that we are you know dealing with all this trauma and all this pain and all this hurt um and then you went into like some self-care tips but i just want to rewind a little bit because The reason why we wanted to have this, uh, you know, episode is because, you know, we got a bone to pick, like, you know, that's what our show is about, but we have a bone to pick with the neglect um, towards Mm -hmm. mental health and why is we feel like we have to take on everything? We're strong, like we're always supposed to be strong. You know, we're not supposed to, you know, especially like our black men, not supposed to cry. We're not supposed to complain. We're not supposed to take, you know, um, days off of work. Like we're supposed to be just yes. going, going, going. And how can we do that when, you know, we are seeing our black and brown brothers and sisters being killed every single day? Go That's ahead, girl.
0: I was finishing my burger, sorry. Also, um, I saw the most, like one of the, I'm sure it's a lot of videos, but I saw one of the most heartbreaking videos yesterday. This black man works for FedEx, basically pulled his truck over, stopped, and literally was just crying on live because I wanna say a white man calls him the N word and spit on him. Listen, y'all, if somebody spit on me, I know y'all see New York in that flavor, flavor episode is going it's going down.
3: I have chills on my arm. Cold. Like I wish I could show you right now because
0: geez, that will be the day. Spit in the day of COVID. It's going the fuck and I down, I'm <laughs> down. Like one thing to call me the N word. You spit on me. I'm losing my effing job that day. Fuck, fuck. It is going yeah. down. But heartbreaking because I know we're all having the same reaction. Like you spit on me. No, but um. People are like, well, why? You know, why is he crying about it? And I'm like, I, I think, I mean, yes, we can be reactionary, but I also feel like we are th- the the camel's back is it, like we, the load is the load is breaking our back now. Like we are just oh, at yeah. a point where it's too fucking much. It is it is one thing to, yeah, you could physically attack someone, but to know that someone who doesn't know you doesn't know you just literally can hate you because of skin, and right. then also empowered to. It's on you. Like, do you know how hurtful that is? In twenty motherfucking twenty, we have technology that's way further ahead of our society. And one more. I saw another video. This woman takes a hammer. She's pounding in someone's car. The lady's like, "All right, yeah, I'm gonna call the cops on you, boy. I I got. I'm gonna send this all your after because this was very therapeutic to watch. I don't know how it escalated to her getting a hose." Ball. Right. She all right. had a whole and this old black lady and this old black lady was not fucking around. She was like, bitch, you got a fucking problem. Basically, she had the she had the Karen yoked up while the Karen was still uh putting this hose on her. And eventually she like tossed her ass in the grass. If y'all see it, I'm telling y'all just gonna be like, ooh, she deserved that. But it's like, I just think our people are just like at a point where You want to retaliate, but there's still the fucking law that is, I mean, we saw what happened in Atlanta last night. And if you didn't, please go look it up. Like that was unnecessary. They should have let that man. I mean, he didn't answer that he wanted to take the breathalyzer, but it was obvious. He knew he was intoxicated and he knew the situation could escalate. He also knew his sister's house was down the street. Yes. He ran away, but he probably ran away because he felt unsafe. And I personally, like I was, I had this conversation with a few friends. I don't feel safe anywhere. I mean, I've been doing my own personal shit. Like I don't feel safe any fucking where in my house around the corner. Like it literally is that that feeling and vibe. And I've been I've been tapping into meditation and it's been helping a lot. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, like outside just feels super unsafe right
1: now. Yeah. Yeah. So I I I understand that And I've been like like I said, I don't know um if we had this, I told totally you about this conversation though, but like I don't know. But uh I kind of like, I think that's why it's important to be cognizant of all these videos that are online. Um, for me, like, I don't try to watch it. From, I actually don't like, to be honest, I, I like me and Abdul was talking about it the other day. He was like, yo, I think it's important that you watch it. And it's like, I don't think it is because I can, I'm one. I'm very empathetic with people. Like I'm a, I, I'm very, like I I understand my emotions and understand how there's a lot of power in them. Right. So I have to be very guarded with that. And like I can empathize. I don't need to be emotionally drained and like down to like feel your pain. I, I have that ability. So um Can I ask you a question before you yeah, go further? Go, go ahead.
3: How do you feel like you've tapped into that empathy? What do you mean? Like, how do you feel? Like you can feel for them. Like you have enough of that in in you that you feel like you don't need to watch it as a black man. In yeah, America, yeah, so,
1: like, yeah. I feel like I understand. Like I understand that I've been in situations that, like, that um, I've been in situations where you know, where police have treated me a little bit unfairly, and I've been in situations where I, you know, what I mean, like. I understand that rage. You know, I can always tap into it. I've seen videos like this countless times. I remember how I felt when I when I heard, you know, Eric Gardner's verdict. I remember being on the street. You know what I mean? Like, I've been, I've been that angry already, and I don't... And I, Like, this is, like, again, I think with America, a lot of us have... And I don't know how, but we have short attention spans. So that's why all of this stuff has been very recent. For me, again, this hasn't... I remember Amadou Diallo. I remember being... Again, I... You know, so so again, I don't want to go into all that level, but I've learned that like if I see these things, I know how I get, and I don't need to. That that's a lot of energy. There's a lot of energy that it, it builds up, and I, I've realized that I can target that energy more and more more resourcefully. What I do is I look up some laws. You know, I look up okay what you know I get. I figure out what I can, how I can activate what type any type of power in the society that I have. That's how I channel that energy when I, when I get worked up, like when I, when, or when I see these, like, I don't, again, I see this video, I don't watch it. I understand what's going on. So if I, so when, because I understand what's going on, I can do a little bit more research on how to be, how to be a part of the solution. Um, so that's kind of like my little bit coping mechanism because then I think it's kind of, for me, I noticed this a lot because uh, lately there's been a lot of, you know, these videos out there. And I and I don't know if it's just my Twitter feed and the people I follow because I know that's how the algorithm is, or is it just like an extra jump. I don't necessarily think it's an extra jump in these cases. I just think it's really just again, more cameras out and this is a hot topic, but button issue and like the media likes to want to put the pulse on it. And it's just, you know, it's a gear in the social media, which is good and bad. Right. I, I don't think this necessarily I think it's good because it's a weird we raising awareness, but I think it's bad for multiple reasons and partly because of the energy it's the energy sometimes I feel isn't. I don't know how constructive. Like I can't. I don't know what, whether it's constructive or not. You know, and I and that frustration that a lot of people feel. Like like young, I don't. I don't know if it's good for you to feel unsafe now. You know what I mean? Like like that's what it's creating, right? You know what I mean? Like now yeah. you feel like the world is unsafe. How how does that? You know, like so, I don't know if that's a good. You
3: know thing. what you're what you're speaking to right now is emotional t- intelligence. So. I want to rephrase my question because that's really kind of what I'm asking. Like, how do you feel like you have gained that emotional intelligence? Oh. Of your experience. But how did you, like, start to understand and learn, like, that your experiences have, like, transformed into this knowledge of your
1: emotions? Because of, okay, so, I, I mean, for this particular issue, I mean, I have anger issues. I grew up always having anger issues. So this is more so my personal thing is that like, oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) One, I don't like therapy. (laughs) So it's not, I don't like, it's, I'll say it's not, I don't like therapy. I am, I overthink a lot and I have, and I have anxiety with other people being in my head when I overthink. So that's just, you know, personal. And that's because of like, um, and I got that because I had, when I was growing up, I had very, like, very anger issues. And when I came to this country, um, I used to get bullied a lot because I was African. And the way I resulted in that is I'll just beat people up. And I realized early on that, like, so I'll get into fights. And when I got, I'll get in trouble. And I'll go home and my parents get beat my ass too. Cause, and I'm like, yo, the kid made fun of me. And my parents were like, but so what? Like, obviously, look at this. And I realized then, like, oh, I can, like, I, like, you you provoke me, but, like, I'm that provocation caused me to beat you up. And in Nigeria, that's, like, back home, that would happen. Niggas would tell the kid, too, like, yo, that's what you get for fucking, for doing that to him, right? So you would also get in trouble. But in America, like, the kid never got in trouble, too. So I realized, like, one, I, like, either just, A, had to, like, just take it and, like, build a tough skin, sort to, of, and, or, B, like, learn how to cut ass better. I wasn't caught with it, so I just learned how to, like, take, take it. And then middle school, I got, like, pimples, acne. That shit got worse. And I used to, again, and I still kind of got in fights, but when I moved to the South Bronx is when I realized that, like, yo, it's dangerous to kind of get into fights. Because niggas don't do one-on-ones. You get jumped, you get stabbed. And that's what my mom kind of, like, like, got me into thinking, like, yo, like, you kind of, yo, either you cut an ass or, like, just going to take it. And it's words, it's emotions. So that's how it started for me, like, just realizing, like, yo, like, don't get angry too much and learning how to control my anger itself. But then when it, it translated to this, because these videos got me angry, and again, doing Eric Gardner's, like, verdict is really where I learned how to, like, channel it to, like, into more, into, like, learning how to channel it, because when that happened, I was crying. I remember when, I, when that happened. I was in the office at Morgan Stanley, 2015, crying when I heard that, like, tears on my eyes, and, like, now everybody's going about to work, and I was just like, yo, like, a man got killed, like, couldn't breathe, cops let him go. Like, let him go. And, like, shit is okay. So I went to the street. was angry, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Protest, all that. A couple years later, like, literally, like, maybe a couple months later, another of this shit happened. I was still, and I was like, like, you know, I just got, it, it became overwhelming and just, like, deflating. And that's when I was like, yo, like, I can't feel like this because I'm going to start break, breaking shit. That's why I'm like, yo, like, just channel it into better things and, like, figuring it out better. But you
3: have the mental capacity to do that.
1: I mean, but that's my point. Like, eventually, we got to get there or else like, yo, so the other option is we go to war and we lose to white Like, yo, we don't got the numbers. We don't got the numbers. We don't okay. got the numbers. <laughs> so, like, okay. I just thought, I, I end up, I guess me too, I'm a very, emotions drive me, but I know that it can, I need to be logical. So I try to be a lot, really logical in my approach. So, Yanni, I'm sorry, I've been talking.
0: I appreciate you sharing Um, and I think um, Leo worded it well, like you do have the emotional intelligence to understand how you're feeling and as well as like know what's the best ways for you to cope. Um, What I will say, however, is kind of similar to you. I was in Las Vegas when Trayvon Martin's verdict was read and I will never ever forget how I felt that day. I remember literally seeing white people jump when they heard that this man was not guilty and it was just so hurtful for me because i'm i'm what 20 i was really young when i went to vegas maybe 21 22. point is it was hurtful um and the thing for me is like i watch these videos because they're like i said it's therapeutic there is a sense of good for that bitch you got what you deserve because we are not we're not back in the day, like you don't own me as property. I'm a person just like you. I have a right to say something back to you. I do understand, um, because I was raised like you, Caribbean household, people are gonna throw words at you, let them throw words, sticks and stones, who gives a fuck, As long, my mama, oh my God, my grandmother, as long as they don't put their hand on you, that's it. So I do get that, but I feel like at the same time, kind of like what you said, like you're a black man in Morgan Stanley, I'm pretty sure you're one of few black men in Morgan Stanley, And you have this very emotional reaction. And then literally in five minutes, you had to wipe those tears and go back to typing numbers. And that's the problem for me. Like, I feel like one, I feel like some of us are like, I don't, and I don't mean this. Okay, let me be careful about how I'm gonna say this. I feel like seeing these videos can make you to an extent a little desensitized to what's happening. And I also feel that it's, it's, it's not helpful to watch these videos and get worked up and not have a way to cope. But there needs to be a medium in which, you know, black people feel like they can be safe because the reality is it's not even about like watching a video or not. I can be as calm, as calm as a motherfucking nun. But if I answer you in the wrong tone or if my friend is getting rowdy in the passenger seat, now that the situation is escalated, and I have no control over that, as calm as I may be. I've seen a video with this man telling this officer off about you know, you come in, you stop your car, you pull me over, but you come into my car with your gun drawn for what? And to me, I feel like what's negative is that these police officers are seeing these narratives and believing them and then treating all black or people of color like that. And that's the real issue. We should be far enough, we should be far enough along where police don't feel like they have to have a gun in your face to talk to you we see the sparse differences between dylan whatever the fuck his mushroom cut head ass got versus the guy a guy like uh filando castillo or um the one in uh baltimore i forget i forget his name uh uh freddie, freddie, freddie. Name? back of the truck like there is a very stark difference in the way that black people are treated in comparison to white people and for me i'm sorry like i can sit here and i can and i can like watch these videos and i have the same coping mechanism as you like you know what this is too much i don't watch enough of these let me get off instagram for the day because i'm right. this is just a lot let me go watch something funny i ain't watching nothing black on netflix because i know my history whatever but I think for me it's like where do we say like black people have a right to be expressive because what I'm noticing is when we become expressive, that's when it becomes an issue. When we feel angry and we have a right to assert and express that anger, we're now a target. When I'm calm, I'm a fucking target. You have a gun, you let the officer know you're a target. So I'm all here for the, you know, listen to what my grandmother said, you know, people will say what they want. Put my music up as long as you don't put your hands on me or spit on me. Cool, but at the same time, I should be able to be just as mad as these bum ass cameras walking around, mad because I'm existing at a fucking park. That's the real fucking problem. When Black people want to be expressive, now all of a sudden that slavery, that master complex comes up. Like, like, really, like. It's so obvious and I feel like you could be calm you could be chill you could ignore but at the same time some of these white people need to fucking know y'all got the wrong fucking generation. Y'all really fucking do like and I don't I don't I don't even know where we started out with the point but the point is when black people become expressive there's an issue and that in itself is a motherfucking issue and I'm not with that that's not okay. I should be able to get upset because you're talking to me a certain way just like you would get upset if I was talking to you that way. It's not alright.
3: Yeah, can I tap in Um, because you guys have said so much and I actually had to write down some of the things that I wanted to touch on because Danielle asked a question and then we kind of went through and whatever. But anyway, I'm going to tap in. I think that one to Danielle's question about mental health in the Black community, it is so, so important for us to understand that if you knew better, you would do better. That's one. Because as a mental health professional, it is so hard to be in a family where I have to constantly explain, for example, to even my mother that like, what my brother is doing right now is a reaction to the post-traumatic stress disorder that he has that is tied directly to police brutality, okay? So her not understanding that him blowing up, being scared, being depressed, and not wanting to go outside and a whole list of other symptoms is directly tied to simply that and not because you yeah, I had a fight yesterday or he didn't wash the dishes or whatever else the case may be like i have it's, it's hard to really really have to like educate our people on the fact that this stuff is real and the things that happen to us every single day is a part of what translates into our mental health so for example i had a conversation with my father explaining the same exact thing your son has ptsd do you know what that means? He's like, yeah, you know, that's like um, combat, you know, the soldiers and rah, rah, rah. And I'm like, yeah, no. Um, that's the white people's definition. Okay. Like it comes with a lot of stuff. That's not the textbook or the DSM definition. And it's important for you to know that people tie PTSD directly to combat and directly to soldiers and war and whatever else the case may be. They do not tie that shit to the war and the travesties that we see in our communities every single day. Or the fact that police brutality is a very, very real fear for Black men in America. And a lot of them have PTSD from it because one, I don't know a Black man. At least not any in my immediate family or circle that has not had an encounter with the police that has not led them to a jail cell. Or maybe even arrest or maybe even just them being handcuffed because that would be like a blessing if they did get out of that situation. So I think that understanding that they do have the wrong generation. But at the same time, they got the right generation because we are the ones who have been educated and we are the ones who are gonna have to educate. Now it becomes exhausting when you have to over and under educate because now I have to explain all of this stuff to my mom and my grandmother and my elders across the board. But I also have to cover and protect those that are under me because it's like, I don't want you to have to go through what I went through, one, and I don't want you to go through what I'm going through now to have to educate the people above you because we're stuck in this in-between. And so with all of that, so to 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 speak to Daniel's question about mental health in the black community, I think that the biggest issue is that we are uneducated about it. And we could dive into that, but the reality and the fact of the matter is that that's, that's that's a part of that systemic racism.
1: Would you say we are miseducated or uneducated? Both. I
3: would say both because, for example, there are a lot of children in our schools, in our communities who are being mis- and underdiagnosed. I have worked in a school. I have seen children who are medicated who shouldn't be medicated, who, are medica- who aren't medicated and should be medicated, who clearly has one disorder, but on paper, they're diagnosed with another disorder. That type of discrepancy has caused me, that type of advocacy, that that level of knowledge has caused me to lose numerous jobs. I have lost numerous jobs because I've been advocating, because I have peaked the politics, because I've spoken up about the systemic racism or whatever is happening like in front of my eyes, for example, I sat in a meeting when I worked at a school one day and this kid was in the first grade. He, they said, he only knows four letters and four sounds. I said, what? I said, wait, just like that at the table, I'm sitting with the vice principal and the whole team of, I'm talking about the psychologist, the social worker. At the time I was behavior specialist. And so my mind was blown because I was like, I don't think that you guys understand what you just said. He only knows four letters and four sounds. There's more than four letters in his name. Like, what are we talking about right now? What are we doing? What are you going to do to make sure that this kid, at the end of the year, knows how to spell his name and actually knows every letter in his name? That, again, a whole nother conversation. Just to tap back into what we were just talking about, I do believe that we are miseducated. I do believe that we are undereducated. And that is due to the systemic racism that trickles down from the redlining, the resources that we do not have, the clinics that are not in our neighborhoods, um, the the liquor stores, the whatever else you want to, like we, I I could go on about that, you know what I mean, all day. But I also think that just, looking at it from our lens and where we stand in our generation, we also have to understand that our parents have been bred off of fear. And so a lot of the things that they do and don't do is because they would have been lynched. They would have been burned. They would have been hosed down, whatever else the case may be. I'm product of an interracial marriage. Um, my grandparents were married well, before interracial marriage was legal. So I'm bred from rebels. Okay. So, like, but I think it's very important to understand that, like, my mom is 60, and the woman who was in the first class or whatever to integrate schools is 65. Okay. Like, she's literally still living. And so, when you're bred from fear, And you understand that, like our generation understands that that is where our parents are bred from. Whether you're a first generation immigrant, whether your parents were here and their parents was working in the fields or whatever else the case may be, like, we're bred from pain and from fear. And so I can't be mad at my mom that she don't understand that the PTSD from her father has trickled down to her and has now trickled down to me because of systemic racism but I can educate myself and I can educate her. And so even, even back to what Osar was saying, um, I think that I do agree to a certain extent that the videos are a lot. And sometimes, you know, I don't want to watch them. And sometimes like crew, I do have times where I'm like, you know what, I'm close my phone. But again, that's that emotional intelligence. And so... When it comes to the videos, I think that it is, on the other hand, important to see them. And, I mean, as, as grueling as it is, one, I don't think that it's okay for people to showcase and video record anyone dying or anyone dead because I think that the first video for me that was just way too much was the um, triple extension or whatever his name is, the triple X kid. And they literally, everybody was just running up to the car and like recording this kid's body. And I just, for me, that was just a lot. And so now with George Floyd, it's like every news broadcast, every news outlet, every social media platform, this man has a family. This man has a daughter. They have to continue to watch their father, son, uncle, cousin, friend be brutally murdered. Brutally murdered in front of the entire world over and over and over and over. Like, that's that's PTSD within itself. Like, I'm never going to forget those images. His family is never going to forget those images. The losses that we've taken have been our L's during, during COVID you know what I mean? But at the same time, this is a loss that they have to literally continue to see every single day. But I think that just to conclude and kind of like package all of this up and put a bow on it, that emotional intelligence that we have, which is why I was challenging you on those questions about why do you feel like you have enough of that? Why do you feel like you can be like, I don't need to watch those videos? Why does crew feel like, okay, I'm going to close my phone it's because we have made it far enough to be higher educated and then totally outside of that to educate ourselves on our history on mental health and so for me it's like we're emotionally intelligent enough to be able to say that's enough for me i have to stop it that's enough for me i don't need to watch it but for our brothers and our sisters who have not been able to have the luxuries that we've had, and I call them luxuries because in 2020, they're still luxuries. We're talking about people who even in in my own family, like when I'm having these conversations with them, they're countering my argument with conspiracy theories because this is all they see. This is all that's filtered to them. And so I was having a conversation, I was on a Zoom call last night and one of my friends said something groundbreaking to me. He was like, have you noticed that they stopped um, broadcasting the protests ever since the riot and the looting stopped? Dot, dot, dot. Because there's really not much else to be said after that. They, they feed off of and literally capitalize off of our pain and off of our suffering. Love and hip hop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Looting rioting, uh, I mean, the list can go on, you know what I mean? But I think that is so important for us, especially in these places, to be able to say, you are emotionally intelligent enough, you and you are emotionally intelligent enough to take what we have discussed here and go and do whatever else with it. You're emotionally intelligent enough to know that one, you are higher educated, you are, when we go back home, when we go back to our communities, a lot of us are kind of looked down upon because it's like, oh, you think that you're better or whatever else the case may be. And it's like, well, damn, we walked the same streets. I sat in the same classroom with you. We could have had the same path. I chose something different. Like, that don't mean I'm better than you. That don't mean nothing like that. But I'm emotionally intelligent enough to know that you, you, you are the company you keep. You are the TV shows and the books that you're gonna read. You are whatever you're following on social media or whatever else the case may be. I know for a fact what my sister is watching every single day and what she's getting fueled by, which is why I can't be mad at her for telling me about conspiracy theories all the time. I can't be mad at her for coming at me in an aggressive manner when she's watching them flip tables and throw drinks at each other every single night on TV. I can't get mad at stuff like that. Like, I have to know how to ground myself, how to react and respond, just like you were saying. And I think that that's another huge part of it. Like, we have to understand that our people are bred through fear. We have to understand that this is a generational curse that we were put here to break. We have to understand that everybody after us is watching us to see how it's actually supposed to be done. Because we're not our ancestors, and they do have the right generation. So it's like, you got to tie all of that into one and be able to say, we're going to do something different. Because whatever was going on before, it wasn't working. And I literally have to have this conversation with my mom on a regular basis. Because it's like, you're not tired of paying lawyer fees? You're not tired of going and visiting the jails? You're not tired of, somebody has to choose something else. You know what I mean? Like, somebody has to read something else. Somebody has to educate themselves in a different way. Um, and so, I mean, that can come with, with a lot. And I think that the root, and and unfortunately, the truth is that systemic racism has put us in this place where we are stagnant and we're content and the people around us are like that. But we are like, nah, <laughs> I want to shake the room.
2: <laughs> it's time. <laughs> so yeah, thank you. I I just feel like there's just so much um just great knowledge that's coming from this conversation. I'm I'm not going to lie. Like before having this meeting, um well this podcast, I was you know, I wasn't as excited to really do much um with with watching continuous videos. Like this morning I actually saw a video of this this black man who was arrested for dancing in the street. I don't know if y'all saw that, but there was a um, a white woman called and said like, you know, there's this African-American dancing in the street and the question was like, oh, you know, is he mentally ill? Is he, you know, is there something wrong with him? So they they try to arrest him. Of course, he's resistant because he's just like, yo, like, what, why are you doing this? I was just dancing in the street. You literally are watching like his neighbors say, hey, that's his routine. You know, he lives here. He has a right to like he's saying like, I live here. My car's right there. Here's my car keys. And this is my this is my daily thing. And so like I, crew was mentioning about like existing, it's just like, dang, we can't even dance. Like, come on, we're already going through so much trauma and stress and everything. Like, I can't dance. Like, come on now. Um, And so I brought up a lot of great things that I wanted to um, address really quickly. Um, And maybe you can answer some of it. But we talked a lot about like um, the mental health in Black communities and um, something I really wanted to know, we wanted to know is just like, you know, what area of mental health work do you work in? Um, and what kind of inspired you to continue to do that work? And something else um, along with that is, I see that you're doing a lot of the work for other people in terms of like, you know, helping them figure out what's going on and how we deal with all of this, you know, trauma. But like, how are you able to do that work? And like kind of, when you said protect, you know, the people you love, I was kind of thinking of like protecting you protecting your sanity protecting your mental health like how do you balance that and then just adding on top of that last one because i know it's a lot but just thinking about our children right if we are some of us are you know you address social intelligence um, emotional intelligence that even adults some of us still don't have or haven't been able to develop some of us still don't know how to deal with the emotions that we're going through. How, like, do we expect, you know, these children, these youth, like, you know, they're watching this on the loop the same way we are. Like, you know, crew talked about the idea of desensitization, right, desensitized. Like, I really think, unfortunately, like, some of these kids are becoming desensitized. You know, so how do we, like, you know, address the mental health in, in the young ones? You know, what do we do? So I know I said a lot, if you want me to repeat or whatever, but go ahead.
3: <laughs> um. So uh, I, I really don't even know how I got into uh, mental health. Well, no, actually, let me, there have been a lot of experiences in my life where I feel like I was just, like, kind of drawn to this. So, for example, my aunt... Um, had a daughter who, uh, had down syndrome. So I literally grew up with my little cousin, like all my life, um, who she needed, she had special needs, but because we would be outside and we would be playing or we would be sleeping over or whatever the case may be, there were certain things that we had to know, even as kids that like, you have to be careful with Brie because if y'all go to the store and everybody buys red juice, she cannot have red juice because if she throws up or if something happens tonight, Amuki is not going to know, you know what I mean? If it's blood, if it's juice, if it's whatever. So we had to be cognizant of different things. Even just she has asthma, she has, we had to be cognizant of so many different things at such a young age. And then, so when I got to middle school and high school and stuff, I like I said, I've always been an advocate. I've always been a rebel. I've never been a person to sit back and just let people say whatever they're going to say or run from the kids who have mental illnesses or, you know what I mean? Like it just, I was, I always stood up for them. I always treated them like people because my aunt never treated my little cousin any differently. She got consequences the same way we did. She got candy and whatever else the same way we did so for me it w- and then also like I said I come from um, an interracial family we didn't really see color I had every hue of brown skin you could think of in my family and so for me it was like what do you mean light skin versus dark skin what is colorism what is this what is that you know what I mean and all of that again we're talking about a system here that has bred that into us and has ingrained that into us. My mom had a conversation with me where she was like, I don't think that you really saw color until you got to school. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, because they asked you, like, oh, um, oh, this white girl that, oh, this black girl that, or whatever, they they instantly kind of like separate you. Whether it's intentional or not, that's what the system is bred to do. Um, and so for me and then when i when i got to high school like i said i just started to realize that a lot of my friends came to me and just would tell me a lot of my stuff so i was always a good listener and i i always i've always hung out around like older people so i had the wisdom and i have like such an old soul that like i could give the same advice that my mom and if i can't do it i'm gonna call her because she could she could tie it up and seal it better for you um But for me, I think that all of those things encompassed, them. one, just led me to be like, I want to help people. And so when I applied to go to college, I didn't even realize that I applied to do social work until the first day in orientation. I was like, wait, what's social work? Like, I didn't even know what it was. And now that I do know what it is, and I've done what I've done for so long, one of my internships was um, working in an individual residential alternative. There was five guys there who lived there between the ages of like 25 and 18, but they all had developmental delays. I didn't do nothing there. And I really didn't feel like I was getting challenged enough. Um, I really didn't feel like I was learning a lot. And I had an assignment where I had to, um, I I can't think of what it's called right now, but you basically have to like process and write down like a conversation between you and another client, and you have to like go through all of that. all of the guys that lived there were nonverbal, so that wasn't something that I could do. So I went to my professor's office hours and I was like, "How am I supposed to do this assignment when I can't have a conversation with them?" And she was like, "Tell me what you do on a day-to-day. And I told her, like I walk in, we do daily living skills, which is literally me teaching them to come in, wash your hands, make your lunch, this this and that the most simplest of things, tie your shoes, whatever else, okay, just create some sort of routine, Um, and so, but one of the things I used to do with the kids is, I used to do a puzzle with them, and she was like, okay, so what does that interaction look like, and she challenged me to see, like, you don't have to talk to them, that's still an interaction, right? about that, and so when I had to really, really think about that, and I'm like, oh my god, like, this is, this is it. Like I took for granted being able to tie my shoes. I took for granted being able to speak and properly being able to express my emotions because you have 18 year old men or young men turning into men who one of them was a little bit more verbal than the other, but the one who was nonverbal could tie his shoe. And the one that could talk couldn't tie his shoe. And I was like, how, like it it blew my mind. And so that kind of drew me to like, just learning more about it and, and developmental disorders and autism and all of that stuff. And then I was learning all of that stuff in the DSM in school and stuff. So I just, it just drew me more and more to it. Um, but my passion overall is psychology. I do want to go back to school. That is a whole nother, uh, you know, conversation. Um, But you were also speaking about, so I don't, that's, that's, that's kind of like where that passion came from. Like I had my own individual experiences and then like more and more learning in school and in college about what I was already doing. And then being able to be challenged to understand that like every action is an action. Every interaction is an, is an interaction, whether it's verbally or non-verbally or whatever else the case may be. And 70% of communication is nonverbal anyway um so when it comes to kids and how they become so desensitized i saw a video the other day that like brought me to tears because it was just so important to how we have to ingrain into our young black children and and it sucks but it's 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 just it's just real um, and it's been floating all over social media, so you guys may have seen it, but it is a kid and his sensei, and they're at karate practice, and he is tell- he's asking him to punch the uh, wood with his left hand, which obviously is not his dominant hand, because when he punched it, he hurt himself, and he started to cry, and so the sensei is asking him, like, why are you crying, and this kid you can tell that instantly he's not used to being able to express why he has these feelings. Why are you crying? What are these tears for? So he's challenging him. Why are you crying? It's okay to cry. He validates him instantly. It's okay for you to cry. I cry. So now he validates him and then he gives him a real life example. Like, nah, I do it too. Life is cool. So he's like, it's okay to cry because I cry, but you have to tell me why you're crying. And he's like, because it hurts. I can't do it with my left. He was like, but you just did it. And so now he shows him that like, that this is mind over matter. And that's really all it is. Like I read one of my um, devotions the other day was about like leaving the flesh out and really focusing on your mind because there's so many things that happen in the world that people do that man do that man has made that you have absolutely no control over the only thing that you have control over is your perspective and your response and so when it comes to the kids i really feel like it's gonna start really small and we have to start having better conversations with them and we have to stop dismissing them because they do need time and they do need space to be able to say it hurt it took him a minute to be able to say it hurt i can't do it with my left and he was like but you can because you already did and i feel like again just what you what 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 you're fueled by what you are um taking in what you're watching who you're around all of that is going to count when it comes to this stuff because if you around ray ray and kiki and they yelling at their kids and they telling them get out my face or stop crying because you a boy and rah, 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 or whatever else the case may be, pretty much everybody around you is going to develop that same thing. If you're stopping it, do you know how groundbreaking it would be for a man on a corner in, 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 in the middle of Brownville houses to be like, why are you crying? Why are you crying? Okay, it's okay to cry, but tell me why you're crying. You know what I mean? Or for somebody in a school that looks like this kid to be able to say, why are you crying? What happened? Can you tell me? And we, but again, it's all gonna tie into that emotional intelligence to know that a lot of the times they're not gonna have the words. Some kids are not vocal. Some kids are not even like advanced enough to have the vocabulary to be able to say, I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm exhausted, I'm fatigued, I'm starving because I didn't eat since yesterday when I left school. You know what I mean? And so it's going to take for us to have patience to really be able to be like, tell me what happened. And if they can't tell you, now you have to revert to something different. What if I asked you to write it down? You think you could write it for me? And some of them can write and some of them can't. Well, if you can't write it because you don't know how to spell or you don't know how to read or whatever else the case may be, draw it for me. Show me how you feel. And it's just those small things that are going to be so groundbreaking because kids is going to tell you one way or another, whether they can verbalize it or whether they have to draw it for you in a the picture. They gonna be able to show you that they pissed off or that they tired or that they didn't eat or whatever else the case may be with kids. I think that the adults have to one learn that emotional intelligence because you have to have enough patience to be able to sit with them if it takes them an hour to tell you I had to use the bathroom, but I was scared to walk out the classroom. So I peed on myself and now I'm, I'm scared that I'm going to get in trouble by my mom. So I just start fucking shit up because I'm going to get in trouble anyway. So whatever the case may be, like, <laughs> I don't know if I answer all of your questions. Let me know if I missed anything.
1: But yeah, you did a good job. So what and I know we're about to like start starting to wrap it up, but what, what I wanted to say is all what's funny is all the things you're talking about, especially when it comes to kids. So when I was in high school and in a couple, couple of years in college, and some of you guys know this, I worked as a, a in early child education, like helping out in um Bank Street education. And so if people know about Bank Street is Bank Street is the number two teacher school in my like, uh, East Coast. And they have a very good early childhood education program. And what Leandra says is what they do. what was what they teach them. Now I'll tell you, Bank Street is a predominantly white institution. So like, I mean, it's it's really good school. It's a, a liberal school, and the kids there though, the the early childhood program is mostly like white kids. And so all of these like techniques you're talking about are things that are bred in the in, in white communities. This is how, like, they speak to their child. Like, this is how, like, at a very early age, you get down to a child's level, and you ask, look in their face. Hey, what's wrong? Tell me, speak to me. Use your words. You want to use the bathroom? Right. What's wrong? Where does it hurt? Or, like, you, no, don't cry, you know? So all you that. Know what's,
3: you know what's going to be groundbreaking for our kids? is it's when, when we the, start doing that. Yes, when the people that look like them can verbalize themselves and be able to, come down even if you have to squat down and come to their level and be like what is wrong because kids will yell at you and I and that when I worked in the school I literally had to say am I yelling at you because I didn't and then they realize like oh shit because that's what they're used to because their parents are at home yelling at them all day because that's what they're used to because this is a generational thing <laughs> like
0: I just wanted to piggyback so um, with, uh, when I I too had experience with early childhood when I started to teach for America graduated college like I worked in early childhood for two years and I remember getting a two-year-old classroom being super upset because my what am I going to do with 2 year olds? oh my god they can't talk they can't do anything but like you Leo I learned they can learn and they can talk it's just going to be a lot different than kids that are four and five obviously and I think education has been groundbreaking for me in a lot of ways because it has forced me to unlearn a lot of things. Um, And I'm still unlearning because, child, I- Talk about that unlearning, that's that generational stuff I'm trying to tell you. It is. Um, But to your point, Wisdom, my, um, my, so the early childhood center I worked in was called First Step and they were affiliated with Bank Street. And what was so remarkable about this early childhood center is that it's literally smack dab in the middle of Brownsville. Hillary Clinton even came and visited us with Mayor de Blasio's wife, I believe my second year working there because this is when the pre-k initiative was like really being big in New York and being rolled out and the early child initiative was being rolled out by de Blasio as well as pre-k for all and we were being trained to use the bank street techniques like they would um our my director was my she's a current director she was from there and other um master teachers went there and they would have PDs and telling us like how we should be speaking to the kids and what language we should be encouraging and they talked to you about you know in the in black communities or low-income communities Juicy black and people of color communities our kids don't have enough words and i'm like why do they keep saying that what do they mean words but it's like if you're at home being sit the fuck down shut the fuck up don't fucking talk watch this and nobody is what'd you do today you read to mommy oh look at the red look at the red square you want mommy to bring it if you're not having those interactions, it makes sense when kids are five and they need fucking speech and language because ain't nobody fucking spoken to them.
3: Um, it also makes sense when they're 10 and 12 and are crying because they cannot verbalize how they feel. Even if literally just exhaustion, like, yo, I'm tired because my father was whooping my mom's ass all night or because they had a party or because I got to sleep on the couch with my mom because we don't got a bed and we... Staying at such and such house or whatever else the case may be.
0: Absolutely. And you see all those things come up in so many different ways. Um, And, like, just, and kind of like to your point earlier, Black people as a people have been struggling with so many different versions of PTSD all our lives. Yep. We see it in so many ways. Um, My current favorite show right now is Watchmen. (laughs) My boyfriend put me onto it and it's so interesting to see the perspectives of the characters and like how they go about their daily lives and even just thinking about like what happened in tulsa and what that has meant for that community since then even up until now but yeah um but really quick i wanted to give a resource i want to give a resource it's called ring the alarm and it's a book by Nikolai pizarro and it's a zero to five parenting guide for low-income black and black and latino caregivers and when i began teaching in early childhood this book was actually given to me i think during a professional development um session and i think like kind of like to your other point sometimes people look at us the educated ones in the community as like we're better but it's like no like it, it's hard because it's like you try to educate and then people think oh you think you know it all no i know there's a better way to do this because the shit you've been doing for the last 50 years of raising kids and grandkids ain't been fucking working so it ain't working. If you say it this way it'll work and sometimes you know you get flack because you're young and they think you're being aggressive, but it's like, no, the shit y'all doing has not been, it's never been okay. Actually. Yeah. I understand why you were doing it, but there's a better way to have conversation. There's a better way to give uh logical consequences. You can have a conversation your child might even say, I do deserve my PS4 to get taken away mommy because I did X, Y, Z, like have conversations. Kids are not, they're not stupid. You know, they're people they're going to fucking grow up and be adults. And I think more adults need to realize like, kids grow up they remember what you did they remember remember really how you made them feel oh and yes they Don't forget they yes. Go, they i go.
3: think that i think that we need to like wrap this up and bring everything full circle like one enough is enough on every scale whether it's black lives matter black mental health black kids who need us to just be more we're unlearning things We have to do things differently we have to educate ourselves we have to educate our peers our families our kids like all of the above like all of it is all encompassed in one like we just have to like i said i started it if you knew better you would do better we have to learn so that we can do better
2: leo thank you so much um seriously like you have said so much that you know not only informs us but informs everyone who's listening and we really do appreciate you just taking the time out to come and speak with us one last question i did have because i think it's just so important and oftentimes we forget to do so but what are you doing to take care of your mental health during this time especially when you're responsible for so many other people's health
3: um so i i I cannot lie to you
2: guys i think that the Hardest
3: part about my job is maintaining my self care. Like I said, I took a really big loss um, this season over uh, the pandemic, and so I have not been doing the best with that. Um, I'm doing much better than I was, but I think that right now for me, it's just going to be consistency because everything that I named, I've been, I've been doing like on and off. But like I said, like try for 21 days, try to form a habit. So for me, it's going to be literally waking up, doing my devotion, meditating, working out, getting into my day. You know what I mean? I'm not an early riser. I'm not a morning person. So for me, that's where it becomes a little bit more challenging. But for the sake of my mental health and for the sake of me being kind of like the pillar to whatever, whether it be a platform like this or a conversation with my mom or a group chat or wherever else the case may be, I know that I have to fill myself enough to be able to pour into other people. And that is where my emotional intelligence has to continue to climb. Because for me, I, I I I work a lot on E and I have to really, really understand that like it's gonna take more and it's gonna take for me to be able to really be able to take care of myself so that I can take care of others. So I'm doing a little bit of, like, all of what we were talking about, but I think that right now, for me, it's just going to be, like, repetition, routine, consistency, because consistency is key, and practice makes perfect, and blah, 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 so, you know, and I also want to read more in all of that, so please send me that book that you were just talking about, and
2: I have some resources
3: for you guys, too, that I can send.
2: Yes, please. Um thank you so much again. Like thank you guys for having this, like literally
3: a platform so, so that we can do this and knowing that you have resources and support from people who look like you, you know what I mean, who can speak to this because
2: Yes. Yes, like you rattled everything it. up so- he wraps everything up so perfectly. He basically took my job, Leo, you know?
0: <laughs> no, no, no. It's not Like we used to end for the
2: lesson of the day, but Leo just, you know, she, she just included some really great gems. So thank you. I think it is important to, you know, refuel yourself, you know? I think that, we are dealing with a lot. This trauma is real. What we're experiencing is real. What we are feeling is real. We need to acknowledge that. But we also need to find ways to be able to deal with it as well, because this fight is nowhere near over. And we need to be charged up to be able to, you know, continue to fight. And I think that Leo, you brought up some great um, ideas in terms of like, we have to start with when we are young in terms of educating ourselves and then educating our children and making sure that we feel uplifted with one another um, and we're supportive of each other. Um, I think it's very important that not all of us, it's important to know that not all of us is um, familiar or educated enough to be able to you know, take on someone else's pain and someone else's hurt. But, you know, we can provide resources. And so, you know, make sure everyone you follow us at Bones to Pick Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, also make sure to um, uh, follow us on our iTunes podcast where you'll see Bones to Pick Podcast there and we'll share some resources. Leo, you had one last thing. To- yes, I... I- Wanted to just tap in
3: one more time because I do not want anybody to listen to this or anybody who's not listening to this or whatever to feel the pressure of like doing better, doing different, whatever else the case. You also have to give yourself grace. It is okay to say instead of I ain't do shit today. I rested. I didn't, I wasn't productive today. I'm healing. I wasn't XYZ like give yourself grace you're doing the best that you can today like god is gonna guide you in whatever way he's gonna guide you it's okay like it's okay we don't have to fight every single day and that's a part of that self-care too that you have to really just stop and rest
1: fun leo great thank you
2: that was great 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 thank you all for listening please, please stay updated with us on our social media handles. We'll also be having some lives coming up. So just make sure that you stay updated and we hope to hear from you all soon. Mm. Bye.